All right. With that, let's pray because we're going to need to. All right. Lord, help us today, God. Lord, as we spend some time in your word, thank you that your word tells us that it does not return void. Father, but it goes out and it produces fruit in our lives, Lord Jesus, as we read it, as we spend time in it. Father, I ask that today that you would shape us and direct us. Change our hearts today, Father. Thank you for your sanctification process, Lord Jesus, that's molding us and shaping us to be more like Jesus every day. And it's a work that's not complete until Christ returns. Father, we lay hold of that, God, and we ask you to shape us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All right. Proverbs 2, 10 through 11 says this. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Discretion will will preserve you and understanding will keep you. So when I was in high school, I had a friend, a couple of friends who said to me, uh, I think it was on a a Thursday or Friday, and they they said to me, hey man, we're going to go hunting a chupacabra, you want to go? And I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Let's do it. What's that? <laughs> and they said, man, it's, it's this winged creature that sucks the blood out of, out of goats. And I was like, yeah, sounds good, whatever. I'm, 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 I'm easy, man. Let's go do it. What are we doing? They said, well, we heard that there's one that lives by Mount Rainier or Mount St. Helens. So we're going to go. We're going to camp out for a few days. And we're going to find this thing. And I was like, all right, man, that sounds great. So we uh, got his Nissan Sentra, and uh, we stuffed that thing full of as many guns as we could get, and a ton of ammo, enough ammo that if, if it were not, not after 9-11, then we probably would be on the no-fly list. I mean, it was serious. We'd, and the only room that we had left, we crammed it full of beef jerky and hot dogs and a tent and enough sleeping bags for three guys that wouldn't be weird. And... Off we went, off into the woods for three days, and we spent the first two nights just freaking ourselves out. With and We set all sorts of traps out in the woods and, and stayed up super late at night. And we're like, oh, man, you're, you're, on, you're on duty tonight, man. So one guy would stand guard all night looking for the chupacabra, right? Little did I know, this was the days before Internet, that these things, if they even are real, are in Mexico. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was an adventure. So we freaked ourselves out for the first two nights telling stories about, what if we caught this thing? And it was the, the last morning. It was probably about 4.30 or 5, and the sun had just started to, to come up. It was just, just kind of just barely dawn. And, and I woke up to this, this shrilling, shrieking sound. I can't even make it. Like, I have it in the back of my head. I want to make this noise, but it would terrify you. So I'm not. But it terrified me, and I woke up, and I sat straight up in the tent, and was like, what was that noise? And I fumbled around, and I grabbed my gun out from under my pillow, and my buddies are sleeping, and I'm looking around. All of a sudden, I hear this, coming towards the tent, and I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden, I hear this, this shriek sound, and, and this thing just crashes into the tent. And I start screaming like a girl, right? And my buddies are starting to rustle around, like, what's going on? And I fling open the door of the tent, and I just start shooting. I'm just like, ah! And my, my, my friend Mark says, what's going on? I'm like, it's a chupacabra, we're going to die! And I'm shooting this thing, and, and freaking out. My buddies are jumping up, and all of a sudden, this, this 
I don't know what it was, like a vulture or something. And it crashed into our tent and was flying off. And I'm shooting at it, and I can't even see. Like, I can't find my glasses anywhere, and my buddies are tripping all over the place. And they're like, what are we shooting at? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's a pterodactyl. And we got out of the tent, and yeah, it, 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 was, it was absolutely crazy. Sometimes I think wisdom is a lot like this whole hunting the chupacopper thing, right? This elusive thing that we all want, but we're really not sure what it is or what we do if we had it. You ever think that way about wisdom? Right? I mean, but what, what, what is wisdom? I looked on, on the internet to look up what, what is wisdom, and the, the definitions for wisdom were just all kind of vague. Right? They, they hit anywhere from, from being... Uh, from 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 being knowledge, right, just being super smart, to on the other end, you needed to be really old and have a Gandalf beard. That was pretty much where wisdom was. It was just kind of this vague, this vague thing. But my 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 first run in with wisdom happened when I was in Oklahoma. I was about eleven years old. And if you've been around me much, you're going to hear a lot of stories about Oklahoma because as a kid, I spent a lot of time there at my grandparents' house. Well, they had this railroad track behind their house that just went for miles, and it was 130 degrees out on this thing, and we'd hunt lizards every day. Had a BB gun, man. We were out on the railroad track hunting lizards. One day, uh, my cousin and I were going down this railroad track, and we're about a mile or so, maybe maybe a mile and a half from my grandparents' house, just down, and, and all you can see down this track is the heat coming up. And on the sides, big tall trees, and there's just swamps lining both sides of the track. And there's there's a, as we're walking, there's swamps and swamps and more swamps, and there's a little area that's just just small. And on the other side of the trees, on the other side of this little thicket, is some houses that were built probably in the 30s or 40s. Uh, just it's like a, just like an elderly community, right? And there's probably. 10 or 12 houses there, little, little tiny ones. And we're right beside these where these houses would be on the other side of the trees. And I notice on the ground, on this railroad track, there I, I pick up this piece of metal. It's about this long, and it's shaped like, like a triangle, like a little ramp. And we were talking about this thing and what we could do with it, and we'd put pennies on the track. Anybody ever put pennies on a railroad track when they were a kid? Right, to smash them, or dimes, or lizards, or whatever. But... <laughs> I'm not saying I did that, just throwing it out there. And so I, I got this, this ramp, and I thought, what would happen if I put this on the track? Huh, I put it down on the track, and it fit perfect. It was made out of the same material that the, the rail was, and it, it lo- kind of locked right on there. And so I thought, oh, I want to find out what would happen if the train hit this. So I stuck it on there. And it was it was about this tall and, you know pretty good sized ramp. And so we started walking down the track looking for more lizards and we got probably a hundred yards from that thing. And I hear the train whistle blow in town a couple miles back. Whoop. And I started thinking, man, what would happen if the train hit that thing? Well, it wouldn't flatten it because it's made out of the same stuff that the train drives on. It's common sense, right? So what if the train hit it? Would it, would it jump? Would the train jump? Well, what what if the train came off the track? And what if the train came what if what if the train came off the track and it crashed into those trees? Man, that'd be gnarly. What if it crashed into the trees and then hit the houses behind the trees? And what if? I just started thinking about 
what if, what if? And all of a sudden, I put my gun down, and I ran as fast as I could back towards that ramp because something told me, whatever's going to happen, it's not going to be good. And I ran back to that thing as fast as I could, and my cousin's like, don't you want to see what happens? And I'm running, and I got back to that little ramp on the track about 100 feet before the train got there, and I grabbed it, and I threw it off into the bushes, and I jumped out of the way, and the train went right by me, and the conductor's blowing the horn and shaking his fist at me. Get off the track, you dumb kid! You know, And I mean, just imagine what could have happened if that thing were on there. I mean, that could have totally derailed my life, right? I mean, there were the, it, would have been, it could have been huge. Just think, what could have happened if that would have been on there? So what is wisdom? I think we have a tendency sometimes to over-spiritualize it. To, to, I've heard some really profound definitions of wisdom. I've heard some really simple ones. But I think the definition that I get when I read the Word of God best is described this way. Wisdom is looking ahead at what's coming and then doing something with that information. Wisdom is looking ahead at what's coming it's, and doing something with that information, making course corrections as necessary. Right, we take the information that we have from our past. We take the information from the people around us, from the things that we're learning. But what are we doing? We're applying it to our future. We're looking ahead to see what could happen if I continue on the course that I'm set for right now in my life, in my job, in my marriage, in my parenting. What's my future going to look like if I continue down the path that I'm going right now? Wisdom looks ahead and makes course corrections as necessary. See, we have to put an emphasis on the course corrections, right? Because if I just look ahead and know what's potentially coming, that doesn't really make me wise. For example, if I'm in a boat and I'm going fishing, right, and I'm I'm driving downriver and there's a waterfall up ahead of me, and I look and I say to my buddy, hey, man, look, waterfall. That's pretty cool. And I just... Don't pay much attention to it. I just keep driving my boat and whoop and drive off the end of the waterfall. Would I be wise? No, we have another name for that, don't we? So does the Bible. It starts with an F and ends with an ool. Right? We call it an idiot. Right? English translation. It, it would be stupid for me to do that. If I'm if I'm if I'm driving my car, and I see a wreck down the road in front of me, and I continue to drive and, and into, that, into that wreck and just add mess up on top of mess, that's not wisdom, that's foolishness. So it's about the course correction, right? It's altering the course that we're heading based on the perceived end, based on what's going to happen if I continue along this course. That's what we have to keep in mind. Proverbs three thirteen through 18 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And again, this word blessed here, this is not the same word blessed that you find in the Beatitudes that we talked about not too long ago. This is a different word. This means on a straight path. This means driving down the road and not bouncing off the guardrails. Right? This is going in a straight line. It's a good path to be taking. It's, it's, it has a little bit to do with happy. It has to do with, 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 with joy from going the right direction. Right? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire 
can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand, and riches and honor in her left. Her ways are pleasantness, and her paths are peace. Anybody in here want a long life? Want a long life? Yeah, that sounds like a good thing, right? What about riches and honor? Everybody's like, oh, no, I'm too spiritual for that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll always say honor, okay, since I know you, we're, we're all so humble. Pleasantness. Pleasantness. I mean, who wants pleasantness in their life, right? Let's think for just a minute about the different aspects of our life. Let's think about parenting. Let's think about our job, our marriage, retirement. Our health. What's long life if it's not a healthy long life? Right? Anybody want to spend the last 20 years eating out of a tube? Probably not. No, we, we want a long life, but we want health with it, don't we? Having a long life and having health in that long life requires wisdom. That's what this is saying. Or we have to be wise about the way we, we act, what we eat, the way we carry ourselves, right? If we want to have a long life that's healthy... Right? It requires looking ahead and making decisions that are going to produce the outcome that we're looking for, right? Make sense? Maybe, maybe you're involved in a ministry. Think about your ministry, right? We want to have pleasantness in these things and peace. Wisdom leads to good things, guys. And ladies, wisdom leads to good things, doesn't it? When we apply wisdom, again, what's wisdom? Looking ahead at what's coming and making course corrections as necessary. Looking ahead at what's coming, making course corrections as necessary. Wisdom leads to good things. Wisdom helps us understand the Bible differently. Did you know that? We can read through. There, there's a, tons of verses. Here's one. Proverbs 3.19 says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations, and by understanding he set the heavens in place. We read passages like that most of the time and just skate by them because, okay, that makes sense. Sure. But what's that mean? If we really dive down into what even just this one verse is saying about God and about creation, it's tremendous. God looked ahead before he created anything. The Bible says that, that he looked ahead and made course corrections based on the outcome he wanted. He looked at every possible scenario, every potential outcome, every rabbit trail, He looked at every possibility before he set out and created all that is, the heavens and the earth. He perceived it with the intellect, the mind of God. What would be if he did things this way or that way? Potentially even into your life and mine. And this is what came from it. Everything we see. Did you know if it weren't for the, the planets that are around the earth, the earth would have been wiped out a long time ago by asteroids? Right? God put the things in place for a reason. It wasn't by accident. Sometimes we have a tendency to think that, well, God just woke up one day or whatever God does, and poof, here it all is. Right? But there were so many things that took place in the mind of God. Who knows, in, in, the, in, the, in a split second to, you know, compared to us. We cannot even perceive, begin to understand 
how the mind of God works, right? But we do know we were created in His, in his image, and we have an intellect also. God's given us one, right, to be able to think and to perceive and to plan out, right? It's not a supernatural thing. It's, it's a we were created in His image to use our brains thing. The other day, uh, uh, anybody been to the flight museum in Tacoma? I went to the flight museum. I was thinking I've been wanting to go there for like probably four or five years, and uh, I heard from my daughter's teacher at school that they were looking for chaperones to to take the fifth grade class to the the air show or the flight museum. And I thought that's fantastic. I'm going. That's great. Good opportunity to spend with my daughter. And so me, my daughter, and three other uh, kids from her class, we, we, um, we all split up into different groups, the, 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 fourth, the fifth grade class, and we went around the flight museum looking at all these awesome airplanes. They got like an SR-71 spy plane there, and it is cool. They've got World War I, World War II planes hanging in there. With It's just really neat. If you've never been there, go check it out. But, but as we're there, I, we found out that the, um, uh, the old Kennedy-era Air Force One is there. Out the back, right? So I'm telling these kids, man, we got to go see Air Force One. It's going to be awesome, right? So we're going out there. We walk out the back, and we're, we're making our way, and I, I, I get a text from somebody. And I pull my phone up, and we're walking out the back down this concrete kind of runway area behind these big planes. And when we got outside, I looked ahead, and I saw the plane we were going going towards. I saw where we were headed, and I noticed on the ground that there were cables going across the ground with big speed bump things laying over the top of them. Right, you guys know what I'm talking about? You've seen those kind of things before? And I'm walking with my cell phone in front of my face, and what do I do? I get to that first speed bump, and I do one of those, like, sort of things, and I fell flat on my face. I mean, I was like, whack! And then I, like, rolled, right? And the rolling was an afterthought. That was like, oh, I'm going to try to look like a ninja. Because the entire fifth grade class is watching me, right? So I trip on this thing, and I fall flat on the ground. And it's, like, it's funny because I, like, come to a thud. And then I was like, I'll roll. So it, was, it was hilarious. Uh, all, all the kids are like, are you alive? Mr. Hodge, you're bleeding from every side of your body. That was terrible. So... Don't we, we, we get nearsighted. Sometimes we perceive what's going on in our lives. We, we, we use our intellect to think about where things are heading, but we get so nearsighted as a culture. We spend so much time focusing on now, so much time focused on, on the here and now and, the, and the, the, the stuff, right? Our culture gets caught up in living for now, doing what feels good now, getting the biggest and the best now. We'll figure out how to pay for it later, right? We, we, we talk a lot about being a microwave culture. Everything's, everything's chop, chop. We want everything when we want it. We walk through the store. We can't come back to the store. We got to get it now. We're planning a trip. We got to plan it now. We got to, we, everything's, everything's fast. We're impatient, aren't we? Impatience is, is, is the word for it. We, we want everything right when we want it, and, and it's, it's hard to wait. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be patient. Sometimes looking at the inevitable, looking ahead at what could be coming is scary. Sometimes, sometimes we're just in a hurry, but, you know, sometimes we don't look ahead, though. We, we've looked ahead, but we don't want to pay attention. We want to stay nearsighted because the stuff that's coming is, is scary stuff. 
Maybe an impending layoff. Maybe your boss told you, hey, look, in six months, there's cuts coming. It's inevitable. Maybe for some of you, retirement is coming. And as much as retirement sounds awesome, you know, to someone who's younger, sometimes when we get to retirement age, that gets a little scary because we're so used to to living the life that we've lived and making the difference that we've been making that all of a sudden that's coming to an end. Everything that I've been, everything that I've shaped my life around, well, that's changing. That's not part of me anymore. That's That could be scary. Maybe going back to college sounds scary to you. Maybe whatever it is that's going on in your life, maybe there's some things coming down the road that you see, you know that they're there, but we want to stay nearsighted as we can and ignore them because we're afraid because we're afraid of that thing that's coming. Listen, wisdom isn't the status quo. We've got to train ourselves to look ahead. We've got to train ourselves to look ahead. And listen, we've got to be brave enough to face what's coming. We've got to be brave enough to make the adjustments that need to be made. So, I want to talk for just a few minutes. Where in the world does wisdom come from? What is wisdom again? Looking ahead at what's coming and making course corrections. Let's say it together. Looking ahead at what's coming and making course corrections as necessary, right? So how do we gain wisdom? Proverbs 120. Here's, here's, here's a simple area where we gain wisdom, right? Like I said earlier, wisdom isn't just necessarily this big spiritual thing. God's given you the intellect to be able to think and to be able to observe. The Bible says in Proverbs 120 that wisdom cries out in the streets. Wisdom cries out in the streets. It's everywhere. There is a world of wisdom to be gained by observing by observing the successes and the failures of the people around us. Any, any people watchers in here? You go to the mall and you're just like sitting there watching people? I do that every now and then. You can, you can learn so much just from observing the things that are going on around you at work, at home, in the neighborhood. There's so many things that are, that are, that are happening out there. Right? Wisdom says we've got to look, we've got to pay attention to what's happening. Right? There is a path that's been laid for every person you see out there. If, you, if you're looking around and you see somebody who's successful, they got that way from, from a course they set in their life and got to that place. Right? There was a, a path to be followed that you can learn from. If you see somebody who has a relationship with Jesus that makes you go, you know what, man, I want that. I want, to be, I want to have a relationship that's close to the Lord like that. They didn't wake up one day and it be that way. They disciplined their life in a particular way. They pursued Jesus in a certain way. It probably cost them something. What was it? We have to find out. We have to observe because all these things don't just all of a sudden happen happen out of thin air like, like they just got lucky and woke up in this position one day or woke up this way one day. They walked down a path of life to get there, didn't they? Right? And we can observe, have conversations with people, and learn how they got to that place. 
We can, we can look at, look at the, the bankrupt neighbor, for example, right? And say, well, that, that, that person's, and they, they lost their business. But you know what? Wisdom looks a little deeper. We don't just want to judge on the outside. Wisdom looks deeper and asks questions. Because what we may find out through wisdom is that this person, even though they have a failed business, learned from the mistakes that they made and are now able to have a business that's honoring to the Lord and bringing value to their employees, right? One that's going to be successful because they've learned something from their experience, and we can learn something from their experience, right? The, the, the example that, that young people want to follow so often is the, the rock star on TV, right? We, we, we look at these people that are famous on TV or, or in our culture and think, wow, man, we idolize that and think how awesome that is. But wisdom looks a little deeper because on the outside, we don't necessarily see from the glamour that they're addicted to drugs or addicted to porn or don't have relationships that are solid because everybody wants their stuff or their money, right? But yet on the outside, we'll idolize those things. But wisdom says we've got to look deeper, there is a world of wisdom to be harvested as wisdom cries out in the streets. But there's also another wisdom that I want to talk to you about. This is a supernatural wisdom. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God who gives generously to all. And we're going to back up. Where are we at? Where are we at? I'm going to go. I'm going to back up for just a minute because I want to apply some context to this verse. We're going to back up to, to uh, chapter one. I think it's verse two. It says this, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. What is it? This is like the most hated verse in all of scripture. <laughs> Consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Right? How many have had somebody quote this to them before? Oh, man. I start going through trials, and I, I think of this verse, and I think, oh, Lord, no. It's so hard, isn't it? Consider it pure joy? What? That's crazy talk, God. I can't do it. How do I do it? Consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, right? This tells us that there are so many different types of trials that we go through. Every single person in this room is struggling with something different. Did you know that? And when we come in here, we see each other's faces, and, and, and we say, how you doing? And everybody says, doing good, Joe. How are you? Right? And, and we, we, put on our, we put on our church face, but you know what? We're all carrying something, every one of us. We're all struggling with something. Trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God wants to prepare us for something, right? But then he goes on and he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, right? How does wisdom apply to this? It's because, again, what is wisdom? It's looking ahead at what's coming and making course corrections as necessary, Right? When we're going through a trial, God wants us to look ahead and to make course corrections as necessary. What course corrections do we need to take? Because, you know, when we're going through a trial, sometimes we want to just kind of hunker down and stick our head in the sand, be nearsighted, and pretend, God, this has all just got to go away. I can't handle this thing. 
But God wants us to, to stand firm and stand strong in Him and look ahead at what's coming through this trial and make course corrections, right? James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Through the process of a trial, what does patience have to do with it? We will never be wise if we can't learn to be patient. We will not learn to be wise until we've learned to be patient, until we allow God to work out patience in us. You know why? Because wisdom requires that we stop, that we pause, that we think, that we use the intellect God gave us, along with some other stuff I'm going to tell you about, to work through what is potentially coming. As I go down this course, as I struggle with this trial, where's the out? Where is the blessing? Where is the good things that God can take and squeeze out of this rotten thing I'm going through right now? How would God use this for His purposes to bring glory to His name? When we develop patience through the process, it allows us to slow down and begin to, to think, to begin to think, what if, what if, what if? So we ask God for wisdom. Well, let, me, let me back up. I'm going to add something to this. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Most of the time when we see the word all in Scripture, in the New Testament, all is referring to all of some. What do you mean? Right? Most of the New Testament was written to the church. Whenever, when you see the word all, most of the time it's referring to all of the church. But this is, this is a, an exception right here where we see this was written to the church, this all that we see. However, it can be applied to all of us because anyone who calls on God during a trial and asks for wisdom, God's going to answer you. Know, you, you want to know how God may answer you if you don't have a relationship with him? He may say to you, the wisdom that he will give you is surrender to me. The Bible says that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be a person who is wise, who looks ahead at their life and makes course corrections to avert disaster or to produce blessing or fruitful things in their life, it starts with surrendering to God. It starts with following Christ. Do you know why? Think about your eternity. Let's pause for a minute. We're going to be wise together. All right? We're thinking ahead. Our life is... What? Grain of sand in, 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 in an ocean of eternity. What do I want the outcome of my life to be? This existence that we live, this is the bus stop to eternity. It's a bus stop. We put our little pad on our seat. We make our space nice and comfortable, right? We, we God, give me wisdom. I'm going through this trial. 
course correction as necessary, and then God all of a sudden sets down a spiritual helmet of knowledge. Is that how it works? All of a sudden we have an epiphany. I know what I'm supposed to do. And then we go do it. It doesn't work that way, does it? How many of you have ever asked God for wisdom? Right? You don't have to really raise your hands. But almost every one of us at some point in our life says, God, you said you're supposed to ask for wisdom. I know I do. It's just not in this thing. And I, I don't know what to do. God, tell me what to do. We've got to apply the patience, right? Here's how this works. Lord, I'm going through a trial. I'm going through this stuff. Lord, give me wisdom. And we begin to to exercise the patience that God is developing in us to think about where am I headed down this course? And you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit comes alongside you and begins to reveal your blind spots. The areas of this process that we don't think of on our own. The areas where, where we're missing something, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and begins to, to reveal areas that you couldn't think of on your own. And then when you begin to think of, of what's the course correction, the Holy Spirit begins to point out options that you didn't even know were there. And he begins to open doors that you didn't know could open. Right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a quick fix. It's a Holy Spirit coming alongside you as we exercise patience and trust the Lord through the process as we exercise wisdom to think about what could be coming and make course corrections. So we wait and we watch with an intent to act So James tells us in in chapter 3, what are we watching for? What should these course corrections look like? And I love that that this is in in Scripture that James put this here because it gives us an idea of what we're looking for. James goes and he he contrasts and compares what does the wisdom of our sinful nature, the decisions that we would make based on our own nature compared to the nature of, that God is putting in us and restoring in us every day. What does the direction we should go look like? And he says in James chapter 3, 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's righteous in motive. So as we're looking ahead at what course correction should we make, what should this course correction look like? This is the example. This is what he says. The wisdom is first of all pure. The, the motive is right. And then it's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's willing to yield, this translation says. The Bible says that there is wisdom in the counsel of many. Did you know that? There's wisdom in the counsel of many. It makes me nervous when I talk to somebody and they say to me, God told me to quit my job of 15 years and join the mission field. I'm I'm quitting next week. Okay. That's obedience, man. That's awesome. We want to obey the Lord. Have you, have you talked to anybody? Well, yeah, they all told me that I, that I was crazy. Okay, are these people who are crazy? Or are these people who are wise themselves and walk with the Lord and have your best interests in mind? Well, yes, they are, but, but they, they didn't hear this from the Lord. Okay, hold on a sec. There is wisdom in the counsel of many, right? We need to slow down. Patience, right? Patience. 
We need to be willing to listen to the people around us. Not just anybody, though, right? Wise people. People who, who are in their relationship with Jesus that you can trust, who you know are prayerful people who will go to bat for you and go before the Lord for you, right? We need to be wise. We need to trust the Lord, but we need to be wise. God told me I should divorce my husband because I found this relationship at work. There is wisdom in the counsel of many, right? You may have not known that the Bible says God hates divorce. When we surround ourselves with godly people who we know walk in a relationship with Jesus, they will be able to speak into your life and say, that's not God's plan for you. God's plan is to restore your marriage and restore health to your, to your marriage. It's full of mercy and good fruits or good deeds. It's impartial. It's not manipulative. It's sincere. Right? It's sincere. The direction that the Lord would have you go as we're exercising wisdom looks like these things. So as you're pondering your job, your family, your future, your retirement, your ministry, all these areas of your life that, that are that we look across this room and there are thousands of them. Vacation. I mean, every aspect of your life, the Lord is calling us to be wise. In trials, the things that we wrestle with, to be wise. To not live nearsighted, right? But to think about, use the intellect that God's given us to look ahead and see what could be coming. And how do I make course corrections that are going to honor the Lord, that are going to bring glory to His name, that are going to further His kingdom? And remember that the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A awe of God. It doesn't mean a fear that God's going to strike you with lightning. Right? It means a healthy awe of God. God, you are amazing. You created all that is. You created time and space. So what do we do when in between the trial and the development of peace? Sometimes there's a gap there where we just feel lost in the dark. We feel like, God, I just don't know. I just don't know which way to go, Lord. And I love God's word because He has an answer for you too if that's where you are. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will set your path straight. Yeah? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding of your current situation. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Right? What's that look like? It means the next step you take, choose the next right thing. 
Choose the next righteous thing. Choose the next thing that's going to honor the Lord. It may not seem like the right thing to your flesh. But I promise you, if you choose the next righteous thing, the Lord will set your foot in the direction, the course he would have you go to bless you, to prosper you, to give you favor, to give you hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you have called us to be more than nearsighted about our life. Lord, you've given us an intellect to be able to pause, to slow down, to exercise patience and to look ahead and make course corrections as necessary. Now, Father, I pray just as your word says that now, Lord, you would come alongside of us and Lord, you'd give us insight and wisdom that goes beyond our own abilities to please you and to further your kingdom and to bring glory to your name as we would walk out your purposes for our lives. Lord, that we would be people full of faith because the direction you would have us go, the course correction that you have for us is always going to be bigger than our own ability to accomplish it. So Father, I ask now that you would help us to be people who walk in faith because your word says without faith it's impossible to please God. Lord, we want to please you with our future. We want to please you with the direction we would set our lives. Father, thank you that through the trials we face, you come alongside of us. You guide and you direct us, Lord Jesus. Help us to slow down enough to hear your voice, to follow your direction. And Father, I pray, Lord, for those who who are going through the dark right now, Lord, who can't see whether to turn left or to turn right. Thank you that you are the God who led your people by a a cloud by day and fire by night through a wilderness. Father, thank you that you love us so much, Lord Jesus, to lead us. And Father, we just put our trust in you, Lord, that when we don't understand which way to go, that if we choose the next right, the next righteous thing, you'll direct our steps until we can come to a place where we can look ahead through the cloud, through the dark, and make course corrections led by your Spirit into fruitfulness. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for healing where it needs to be. I pray, Lord, for provision where it needs to be. Lord, I pray for peace where it needs to be. I pray for hope, Lord, where it's been lost. I pray for comfort, Lord Jesus, for the brokenhearted. Father, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. In your name, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, Alex.